0: Good evening, everybody. How are you? Oh, thanks. Thanks for asking. I'm good. (laughs) This evening, I have the privilege of launching into our church's week of prayer and fasting. And I need to give you a little bit of a backstory because there is a backstory to this week of prayer and fasting. And there are three dates you need to keep in mind as I share this backstory. The first one is the 17th of February 2013. The second one is the 12th of December of the same year. And the third date is today, and so I don't know about you if you can remember where you were on the 17th of February 2023, but I remember exactly where I was specifically at seven o'clock that evening, from about seven until I think it was 9:45. I was in an interview with the call committee of Connect Church from seven till 9:45. Nochal. And I was as well prepared for that interview as I've ever been for anything in my life. I had questions prepared that I was expecting them to ask me, and so that I'd be ready when the questions come. And I had some questions that I had prepared that they didn't ask. And so even though they didn't ask me the questions, I found ways of putting the answers in there somewhere, so I wasn't going to prepare it for nothing. But then what happened was somebody on the call committee, and actually it was Noha Shane, who asked me a question that I hadn't prepared for. And I was somewhat taken aback, because you know what it's like? You prepare well, and then there's this curveball. And I almost wanted to kick myself, because it was the kind of question that you think to yourself, for an interview, you should actually, as a senior pastor of a church, you should have been ready for a question like this. And the question was, where do you see Connect Church in 10 years' time? And I was like, How am I going to answer him? Because I had previously come from a small church. And usually the goal of a small church is to grow in numbers and maybe to grow your facilities and so on. But actually those were the kind of things that were frustrating me as a pastor. Because I didn't want to see more people come to church. I wanted to see the church move out to where people were. And so that's what I said in the interview. I said, listen, in 10 years' time I see the church moving away from the church building to the spaces where people are, workplaces, neighborhoods, homes, places of recreation, places of education, and so on. And I guess it was the right answer because here I am. (laughs) Do you think it was the right answer? Before you answer, I want to take you forward to the 12th of December, 2023. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. Myself and the rest of the pastors are in a meeting to plan this very week. The week of prayer and fasting. And I can't remember who it was, but one of the team sensed very strongly that we shouldn't be trying to discern from scratch what God is saying to us, but rather that we glean from what God's been saying to us as a leadership over the last couple of months. And as it happened, the prophetic ministry team um, had sent us a document. They had met for prayer, and they were praying for the church, and they were praying for the leadership, and they, God gave them a series of pictures That they felt to share with me. And then I shared it with the pastors and the elders. And this document actually became the heart of this week of prayer. And I'm going to share. I'm just going to read from the document for you. Those pictures which have become the heart for this week's week of prayer and fasting. And I'm going to quote from that document. While we were praying, a picture came of God drawing back the curtain on Connect Community to shine his light on us because he wanted to prepare the community to be a light in the darkness. The purpose of the light was to refine, strengthen, and empower the community so that we become more like Jesus and shine his beautiful light in the world around us. Then it goes on. Another picture emerged of Connect Church being like an army hospital, a safe place to be out of the line of fire of the enemy a place where people can be revived again, a place to be healed by God, and a place to receive nurturing by God so that they can go out again and do God's work. With that came a strong sense for the prophetic team to pray for the congregation to have sincere compassion. As a congregation, we were to have compassion for those who have been injured in any way by the enemy. We prayed that critical and judgmental spirits would not have the power to operate. And we prayed for Holy Spirit to minister His compassion and loving kindness to all in the congregation. It was such a powerful word, and we felt that we wanted to encapsulate that and pray into and press into that during this week of prayer and fasting. And so that became the theme for this week of prayer and fasting. Light in the darkness. So what's the first thing you do when you walk into a dark room? Unless it's load shedding, you switch on the light. And what's the first thing you do when you create a universe? Anyone created a universe lately? <laughs> I only know one person who's ever done that. We read about it in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth, and I want you to picture it, the earth was formless and empty. And darkness covered the deep water. But the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. I want you to have that picture in your mind. The earth is formless and empty. There's basically chaos. We sang about that chaos early on. There's basically chaos. Water, deep water, and darkness is hovering over that water. But the verse goes on to say, the Spirit of God was also hovering over the water. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Fast forward a couple of thousand years In the Gospel of John, it says, In the beginning the Word already existed, and we've been singing to that Word, which is Jesus. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was already with God in the beginning. Everything came into existence through Him. Not one thing that exists was made without Him. Listen to this. He was the source of life, and that life was the light for humanity. The light shines in the dark, And the dark has never extinguished it. So, the God who created the universe and into that spoke, let there be light, is the same God that sent his son Jesus. We sing about it often. Light of the world, you stepped down into darkness. In John chapter 8, Jesus, when he's speaking to the Pharisees, says these words I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will have a life filled with light, and will never live in the dark. That was Jesus speaking. He says, whoever follows me, any followers of Jesus here tonight? Because whoever follows me will have a life filled with light and will never live in the dark. In the world today, there are so many people living in the dark. And I dare say sometimes as Christians, we struggle within the recesses of our hearts, where it seems like there are parts of our life where the light of God hasn't completely penetrated. And God wants to shine His light into those dark spaces. Some are struggling with the darkness of addiction, the darkness of sickness, or death, or fear, or anxiety, or depression. And these things, as well as what Second Corinthians refers to as arguments and philosophies, and reasonings of this world, these things become strongholds in our lives. Dylan was praying in the pre-service prayer meeting about strongholds. And strongholds, actually, he was praying, yes, about strongholds, but also about, about, it's it's a military concept. And a stronghold is like a strong place that's almost impenetrable, impenetrable, and that an enemy or anyone in battle uses as their safe place, so that nothing around can bring it down. And often the enemy sets up these things as strongholds in our lives. But the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that the weapons that we have as Christians are powerful for pulling down those strongholds. And so, where the enemy has set these things up in our lives, where that darkness exists, God's light will dispel that darkness from your life. And so, I have just two points this evening in my message. And the first one is this, that God shines His light on you. 1 John 1, verse 3 says, This is the life we have seen and heard. We are reporting about it to you so that you too can have a relationship with us. Our relationship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Move down to verse 5. This is the message we heard from Christ and we are reporting to you. God is light. And there isn't any darkness in Him. If we say we have a relationship with God and yet live in the dark, we are lying. We aren't being truthful. But if we live in the light in the same way that God is in the light, we have a relationship with each other. And the blood of His Son, Jesus, cleanses us from every sin. God desires to shine His light on your life. And into your life. And my question to you is, have you experienced the light of God in your life? Or are you still living in darkness? You may be here this evening and you've never opened up your life for God's light to shine in on it. And I'm going to give you an opportunity later to, through prayer, invite God to shine His light onto your life. Because those verses go on in 1 John 1, verse 8 and 9. Says, if we say we aren't sinful, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. God is faithful and reliable. If we confess our sins, He forgives them and cleanses us from everything we've done wrong. And this is where prayer comes in, because the only way we access that light, the only way we access God's forgiveness, His grace, His mercy, and all His many blessings is through this wonderful thing called prayer. We have mistaken ideas of prayer. Many times we think that prayer is an opportunity for us to bring the list, the request, or almost like a, like a list we would give to Santa Claus and say, I've been a good girl or a good boy, and these are the things that I want. You know what God desires in prayer is to change you and to change me from the inside. To pray is actually to change When the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. What did he say? Pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which means that God has a will in heaven. And it's up to you and me through prayer to pray that his will would be done on earth the same way that it is in heaven. That will bring, it's almost a matter of Reaching up through prayer and trying to bring the kingdom down from heaven onto earth. That's what it means, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's like it says in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. But acknowledge him in all your ways and he will lead and guide and direct your path. To pray is to allow God to change you from the inside out. Praise God, changing me by Him shining His light on me. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just about me basking in the glory of God's light shining on me. It must translate to more than that. And that's my second point. Because as much as God's light shines on you, God's light needs to shine through you. There needs to be some kind of effect on the world around you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says The God, small g, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. As a result, they don't see the light of the good news about Christ's glory. It is Christ who is God's image. Our message is not about ourselves. It is about Jesus Christ as the Lord. We are your servants for his sake. We are his servants because the same God who said that light should shine out of darkness has given us light. And for that reason, we bring to light the knowledge about God's glory, which shines from Christ's face. See, that's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew when he said that you, you and me, disciples, followers of Jesus, are the salt of the earth. You are, Matthew 5 verse 14, light for the world. A city cannot be hidden when it's located on a hill. A Christian cannot be hidden when they are in the home when they are in the workplace, when they are at their place of education, when they are in their place of recreation, a Christian cannot be hidden. In as much as a light cannot be hidden once it comes into a dark room, the light dispels the darkness. And so for Christians, as the glory of God's light shines on us, it needs to shine through us into the spaces in which we find ourselves. And as much as we've charged and commissioned the live to sixes for the year ahead. I want to charge you and me as we're going to be, my message has pretty much come to an end, because we're going to be getting practical about our week of prayer now, year, tonight. But I want to charge you from Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 to 3 says, Arise, shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has dawned. Darkness now covers the earth. And thick darkness covers the nations, but the Lord dawns, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light. So as people who are living in darkness and brokenness, as they see the light in you, they will be drawn to Jesus in you. Nations will come to your light, and kings will come to the brightness of your dawn. The very next chapter, Isaiah 61 This is a passage that Jesus quoted at the start of his ministry, as it's recorded in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Almighty Lord is with me, with you, and every follower of Jesus. Because the Lord has anointed us to give good news to humble people. He has sent us to heal those who are brokenhearted. To announce that captives will be set free and prisoners will be released. He has sent me. To comfort those who grieve. He has sent me to provide for those who grieve in Zion. To give them crowns instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of tears of grief. And clothes of praise instead of a spirit of weakness. They will be called oaks of righteousness. The plantings of the Lord. Why? So that he might display his glory through them. And now we get practical. That's literally as much as I'm going to teach about prayer for tonight. Because I'm going to open up a time where right here in this space, we are going to pray together, corporately. And I want to encourage you. You know, sometimes these times can be intimidating because I don't pray like anyone else, or somebody's going to look at me, or I'm going to say the wrong words. But you're in a very safe space because guess what? We all feel like that. and it's not about the person next to you. It's about connecting with God. And so we're going to be engaging in a time of prayer right here in the service. And I want to encourage you, whether you sit like you're sitting now, whether you stand up and pray, or whether you kneel by your seat, whether you pray quietly in your heart, or whether you pray out loud for yourself or for others, afterwards the team will come up and Actually, I'm going to invite them to come up a little bit earlier than that, but I'll tell you guys when. And lead us in that song, I Speak Jesus, as we speak, and as we pray, and as we sing Jesus over the spaces where we find ourselves. But I do want to give us four points of how we can be practical about our prayer as we go into this week of prayer. Firstly, listen very closely. If you're still living in darkness... And if you haven't opened up your life to God's light, then that's the first prayer that God desires to hear from you. The prayer that says, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner and I'm living in darkness. I believe that you sent Jesus, the light of the world, into this dark world to die for my sins and to save me from darkness. And to bring me into his most glorious, wonderful light. Please forgive me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I commit my life to shining as a light for you. If you've never said that prayer in your life, during this time, you have the opportunity to do that. My second challenge when it comes to getting practical, I would like to invite you, all of you, to join us during this week of prayer. Join us in this time of corporate prayer year now. But also join us. You can bring up the next slide. The week of prayer, and you'll notice we put the first day as today because it starts now. continues until Friday. And we'll be gathering in some spaces on Monday, on Wednesday, and on Friday, as Jolene mentioned. And I'd like to just unpack a little bit about what's happening in each of those spaces. On Monday evening, well, Monday morning for those that are available between 7 and 8, or Monday evening between 6 and 7. We'll be meeting here in the auditorium, and we'll be contending for the church. We're going to pray that God would empower this particular community to be a light in the darkness. And that prayer time, both in the morning and the evening, will involve a prayer walk in, around, and through our church properties. So if you are available either Monday morning, 7 to 8, or Monday evening, 6 to 7, I want to invite you to join us. Alternatively, or in addition to that, on Wednesday, the time will be devoted to, next slide please, shining Jesus' light in the spaces where you find yourselves. Now, these slides have already been sent to the life group leaders. I'm mean, going to encourage life group leaders to send it to everyone else, and we're encouraging in life groups to be praying, you know, the primary way in which we continue the work of Jesus is to live out an intentional life of disciple-making, one to another. And we're challenging you, ask God to show you one or two people that he can increase your influence in their life, that God's light shining through you would shine into their dark spaces and draw them closer to Christ. We're encouraging you in your life groups or even at your workplace, at your school, wherever you find yourself, to call people to pray and to pray into those spaces. That's on Wednesday or whenever your life group meets. Most of our church's life group meets on Wednesday. I know some on Thursday. There's some on Tuesday as well. And then on Friday, we'll be coming back here. And for our Friday time, we're praying that God would make this church a safe haven and a place for healing. You remember that message from the prophetic word, that there are many people that have been hurt, by the enemy. And we pray that the church would be that army hospital where people can experience healing, can be restored, can be revived, can be nurtured, so that they can go out again and be a light in the dark spaces. And so what about those other days? What about the times that we don't have things scheduled? We've had a number of people come to us with ideas of Can you include this in the week of prayer? Can you include this in the week of prayer? And you know what my answer to them is? Yes. That's why we've left open spaces in it. One parent said they want to go to their child's school and pray at the school, around the school, and call parents together for prayer. Go for it. Um, you saw the evangelism training that we're doing from the 5th of March till the 4th of February. Alan Prophet, who's running that training, has said he's asked people, called people to pray for that course because that course is wanting to be practical. Once they've been through their training or as part of their training, those guys are going to be having meals with Muslim friends so that they can put into practice the things that they have learned. Pray for that. Pray for our live two sixes as they are in their internship and pray into whatever spaces you find yourself in your life. Finally, in closing, a quick word on fasting. It's not just a week of prayer, it's a week of prayer and fasting. And without going into too much detail, it's interesting to note that when Jesus taught on fasting, he didn't instruct his followers as to how to fast because he just assumed that they already were. And so he's assuming that because you're a follower of Jesus, you are already fasting. What is fasting? Fasting is a spiritual discipline, and it's it's probably one of the most powerful disciplines. Because it allows God the opportunity to change you and me from the inside out. The Holy Spirit can transform your life through fasting. Abstain from all or maybe some kinds of food or drink. And it's not just a denying yourself of food, but it's exchanging those needs or those perceived needs for nourishment for what is more important than your body, your soul. I'll tell you what fasting is not. It's not a way to punish or hurt your body. It's not a way to earn God's favor or to get him to do something for us. The purpose is actually to to produce that, to position my life in a way that God can actually transform me. Neither is it a public display of spirituality. No, it's between you and God. Why do we fast? Simply because the Bible expects it of us. In the Old and the New Testament, Jesus, Moses, Daniel, Hannah, Ezra, Paul, numbers of others. That we also fast so that the truth of God's word I remember as a child growing up when my parents would tell me about fasting, there was this idea that you trading the stuff, the food that you're giving up for the word of God. So when you're hungry, go to the word. Jesus said in Matthew 4 verse 4, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I promise you it will transform your prayer life and result in a dynamic personal revival even in your own life. So whether you do a partial fast or fasting just from certain foods, uh, water only, juice only, an absolute fast, or even you sacrificing something other than food, make sure that it is a sacrifice and that it costs you something. And in this time of prayer, I want to encourage you, ask God, Lord, don't ask God if you want me to fast. I'll give you the answer now. The answer is yes. Ask God, Lord, how do you want me to fast? When do you want me to fast? And in that time, spend significant times in prayer and reading God's Word. So we're going to break into a time of prayer. And I want to encourage you, once we've opened up the time, if you feel led to pray with someone or for someone, or even if praying is a struggle for you, feel free to go to someone and say, help me, pray with me. If you don't know what to say, Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, and you know how the rest of that goes. But if you desire prayer, if there's somebody, and it doesn't have to be someone in front of the pastoral team and the elders are available if you need prayer, but you can go to someone and say, can you please pray for me? I need help with this. Or as God leads you, and we're going to leave the space open for a while because I'd like you to take advantage. Our week of prayer starts now. Take advantage of the time. Don't worry about the people around you. I'm going to ask the team, that worship team, can come up now already. Um, but I will indicate to you when you can start singing, I speak Jesus. And so, Lord, as we go into this space, I pray for meaningful, deep connections between you and us. I pray that we would connect with one another in this time of prayer. I pray that you would free us from inhibitions from worrying about what other people will think if I get up and go and pray for someone, or if I stand up and pray out loud what you are laying on my heart, Father God. I pray for a freedom in this place that everything that is said and done for the rest of the service is only about wanting to glorify you and engage with you individually, but also corporately. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Be free as we pray together now.